Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Grave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Today's going to be a good day. I feel like the sermon that the Lord gave me is kind of preaching to the choir, but that's fine. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. And so today I want to talk about freedom in Christ. Um, And before I talk about that, I want to begin by expressing the importance of understanding the meaning and context of words. Did you know that language and the meanings of words change over time? They do. How much? If you're over, let's say, if you're over 45, can you explain to someone that's under 20 what a Rolodex is? Anybody under 20 has probably no idea what a, do you know what a Rolodex is? All right. And she works in an office. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe some of you might say, well, that's groovy, right? Yeah. No one really uses that anymore. Or that's baloney. They don't say that anymore, right? They say that's fake news, right? Or they say, no one says, hey, can you run to the icebox and get me a drink? No one says that anymore. If you do, that's fine. You can use it. I remember one time I was, I said to Aiden, we had these old Disney movies, and I said, go upstairs and get the VHS tapes. And he looked at me with so much confusion. What a VHS tape was. And then I realized that I was old. You know, one of the words that, that I used when, or in my generation, is that we would be like, that's fat with a PH. Do you remember that one? That's fat. With a PH. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I got it. And so, like, when you look up words, there's actually a graph on Google that says, during this time, this word was used more in the 1800s, or uh, it's not really used much now, or it's really used a lot now. And one thing that I thought was interesting is freedom was, like, used for centuries. <laughs> wow. It's a popular word. So let me give you... Well, no, let's, let's just cut that out. We'll cut that out. It doesn't hurt to end a little bit earlier. Can we say amen to that one? All right. So this is why I wanted to specifically target what it means to have freedom in Christ. Because words and meanings change. And our perception of words change. Did you know if I said that is just awful? You know, a long time ago, it meant to be full of all. That awesome and all four were synonyms. And you would get phrases like, 
the awful, wait, what was it? So I got it right. The awful majesty of God. The awful majesty of God. How many, have you ever heard of, oh, they have a myriad of problems? And what does that mean? They have a lot of problems. But actually, 600 years ago, it specifically meant that you had 10,000. So if you had a myriad, you had 10,000 goats or 10,000 whatever, right? Not 10,000 problems. <laughs> that would be a problem, I guess. So this is why... And, and the thing about it is, you know, we can get uptight about this, but this is not a new phenomenon. Words and meanings change all throughout history. And can you see why it's important to talk about freedom in Christ? Because guess what? Freedom's a popular word. And when we say freedom, right? When we say freedom, some of us might think something very different than what is scriptural. You know, we can sing about it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm free to run. I'm free to dance. I'm free to sing. I'm free to live for you. Do you remember, remember that one? And if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. We, we sing about it in the church, right? But I have to wonder, do we truly understand what it means to have and to walk in the freedom that Christ has provided? Like I said before, freedom is a hot topic in America right now, in our society. And I hear it talked about all the time, and everybody has their opinion about it, right? And we won't go into that, but, but does our freedom we have in Christ compare to our contemporary understanding of freedom? Let me put it this way. Is our understanding of our American right to be free, is that compatible or even comparable to our freedom in Christ? That's a good question. We talk about freedom a lot and our right to be free. But is that comparable or even compatible with the freedom we have in Christ? Has our contemporary interpretation of freedom clouded our understanding of true biblical freedom? Because like I said, words change over time. And you could say one thing to someone and it's offensive and it's not offensive to another person. So we should know when we say, I have freedom in Christ, we should know what that means. Scripturally. Not based upon opinion. <laughs> what does scripture say? Will our freedom in Christ offer us the right to do as we please? Like I said, I'm preaching to the choir. You know. <laughs> but maybe this is for someone that's listening. You're here. Will a lack of true understanding of freedom keep us in a place of bondage? Huh. These were questions that I was thinking about. I was pondering. So hopefully today you'll learn or you'll leave with a greater understanding of what it means to have freedom in Christ. At least that's the plan, right? So let's start 
to define freedom, at least from the standpoint of common interpretation. So where do we go to get our common interpretation of words? A dictionary. Some of you may say Google, right? Right? Yeah, right? And a a dictionary or an online platform is a place where words are stored alphabetically, right? And they list the meanings and they put their context and it's a verb or a noun. And it kind of says, this is what we believe this word to mean, right? At least our common interpretation of it. And one thing that we have to understand is they are compiled by humans, right? Right? And they are not timeless. Do you know that there is a dialect society that meets every year to decide what kind of words we'll add in the dictionary? And I forget what year it was they were going to add tweet, and then the other one was hashtag, and I think in 2000 it was WMD or, or something like that. So they're looking at what people are saying, and they're thinking, how can we put this into our lexicon, our, our dictionary? And so if we want to know what most people think freedom is, we'll generally go to the dictionary. So let's go to the dictionary. Or at least I went there, and then I'm just going to tell you what it says. But freedom, according to the dictionary, is the power or the right to act, to speak, to think as one thinks without hindrance or restraint. Okay? Sounds pretty good, right? Another one is the power of self-determination attributed to the will, meaning to determine one destiny by their own willpower. Right? Probably as I'm reading this, this makes sense. This is people how, how people generally use it. It also means unrestricted use of a thing. All right. Another one or other contexts are the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. So this is talking about physically restrained. So if I'm playing with my kids or now we have a new dog, you hold them down, you restrain them, right? You're playing with them. So it's not always a negative thing, but it means to be restrained, physically restrained or the state of not being physically restrained. Also, it means the state of not being subject to or affected by a particular undesirable thing. What does that mean? Have you ever had back pain before? If you have, you would understand that you've lost some of your freedom. Or a disease, right? So the state of not being subject to or affected by a particular undesirable thing. So that could be back pain, it could be a disease, it could be emotional baggage, right? Emotional distress. So, but I want you to notice a common theme. All of them deal with without hindrance or without restraint. This is what the common interpretation of freedom is. Without hindrance or without restraint. So the common contemporary interpretation of freedom is the power to do as one pleases, self-determination without hindrance or restraint. Okay, 
Everybody, are we on the same page? All right. So if you go to Google, that's what you're going to find. This is what freedom. So you come into church and we sing where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Are you guys following me? Well, let's look at this scripture verse. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, that's only part of the scripture verse, but I'll get to it later. Think about that. If we have a common interpretation of what freedom is based on our American culture, when we read this, we'll say, it is for freedom to do as one pleases. Self-determination. And then if we're real spiritual, we'll say, well, there's grace, right? Can you see why context is important? So this goes back to the question I asked earlier. Has our contemporary interpretation of freedom clouded our understanding of true biblical freedom? So let's insert this. It is for freedom... It is, it is for the power to do as one pleases without hindrance or restraint. That is why Christ has come to set us free. Wow. So according to that, like I said, I'm preaching to the choir, right? You guys don't think that. So according to that scripture, based on our common interpretation of what freedom means, is Jesus has set us free for this purpose, self-indulgence, self-determinism, and acting without hindrance or restraint. Come on. It's interesting to also note that the definitions for freedom I stated earlier did not include consequences. Did you see that? I'll read one again. The power or the right to act, speak, or think. So the power to do, the power to say, and the power to think without hindrance or restraint. No consequence. So the, it's important to understand that freedom without consequence is a false liberty. I'm going to say that again. Freedom without consequence is a false liberty. And I would go as far to say is without consequence, you cannot have true freedom. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have our cake and eat it too? But let me say that's not true freedom. Are you guys following me? Because freedom requires choice. And choice carries with it consequences. If we are going to have freedom, we must have choice. And choice carries with it consequences. Now, I'm going to say this because whenever we hear consequences, we think the negative. But consequences are just the result of your actions. So if I start working out... (laughs) And I start building muscle and I start putting good things. Guess what? I'm excited about my consequences every time I walk past the mirror and say, whoa, what have you been doing lately? So when I say consequences, I want you guys to get this. 
Because we always think it in the negative aspect. Consequences are a beautiful thing. And so to have freedom without consequences is not true freedom. Think about this. Adam and Eve would have never been free beings without the reality of choice and consequences. They would have never been free beings. So think about this. God made a perfect environment. Awesome. And he put the one thing in it that could ruin it all. Why? Freedom. Come on. And also he created beings so that there could be an exchange. Well, obviously we're not giving God anything, but so that we could give our love to him. And if there was not choice, if there was not an option, it would not be true love. You know what it would be? We would be robots. Come on. No one's, well, I won't say that. All right. See? Hey, hey. Freedom without consequences is... <laughs> so if you didn't have an opportunity to choose, then you would not be free. Let's look at the, the rest of the verse. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Because of your freedom, stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, there's something. Yes, Christ has come to set us free. Therefore, stand firm and do not allow yourself to go back into an old way of thinking that puts you back into bondage. And the context here is, Paul is actually dealing with the law. The Jewish literature of the time compares the law to a yoke to which the obedient must submit. And Paul does not want his Gentile readers to let the law take the place of Christ in their lives. So what is Paul dealing with? Don't allow yourself to be burdened again to the old ways of thinking. Don't think that following the law will bring you any more righteousness than what you already have in Christ. Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. Christ came to set us free. Therefore, therefore, stand firm. Use your power that he's given back to you. And I'm going to get into it later. Living in the dominion of darkness was not free. It was a false freedom. So he has actually come to give you freedom of choice back to you. He said, therefore, stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again. Now, in the context here, he's talking about the law, but we'll get to it later. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again. So freedom is not without consequence. Because of Christ, we are free. And what is Paul saying? True. 
But don't let yourself go back into old ways of thinking which bring a yoke of bondage upon you. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Uh-oh. What is freedom according to the dictionary? Unrestricted use of a thing. Self-determination. To say, to think, and to act as you will. Come on. And all that is is just humanism. So let's continue. You, my brothers and sisters... Uh, we were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man. And it's such a good point. I'm just going to go to it now, but I'll get to it later. But it's such a good point. Love is one of the most restricting things on the, in the universe. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to let someone know your thoughts, but because you love them? That doesn't mean we shouldn't communicate, right? Blah, 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 right? But holding your tongue, you restricted yourself. I mean, if you even look at love is patient, let's just stop right there. I mean, let's not even get to the rest of the verse. If we could get that first one, love is patient. Help me, Jesus. So, freedom in Christ is not without restriction. Now, I'm not saying God's up in heaven trying to control every situation, but one of the fruits of the Spirit is to control yourself. Come on. I'm preaching to the choir. You guys know this. Yeah, for the, yeah, the internet people. The radio, exactly, my point. Radio. An old word that we don't use much anymore. Okay. All right. Uh, so here's the thing to say about freedom. Freedom is the ability to have whatever you want. Christ has come to set us free. It is for freedom. And I'll, like I said, I'll get into it later, but... In sin, we were under the control and we were enslaved to darkness. We were enslaved to it. So when Christ came, yes, he gave us back the freedom of choice. But here's the thing about freedom. We can have whatever we want. Guess what? Have you ever looked at Adam and Eve and be like, why couldn't they just got that right? But the truth is we make that choice every single day. Because your freedom's actually been given back to you. 
And that's why the, that's why the crown of freedom is heavy. It's a beautiful thing to be free, but it comes with a great weight of responsibility. My kids are getting to the age where my kids are here, so I'm debating how I'm going to word this. Let's move on. All right. It's not a big thing. It was just I want to word it correctly. Now you're guessing what I was going to say. You want to come up and preach? All right. So Paul is saying, listen, you have this freedom, stand firm. Instead, use the freedom that you've been given to serve one another in love. What is that saying? Put the same amount of care that you have for yourself and extend it to those around you. Put the same amount of care for yourself and extend it to those around you. Well, you might say, well, I don't really like myself, so how can I like anybody else? Well, you feed yourself, don't you? You clothe yourself, don't you? You wash yourself, hopefully. <laughs> Come on. Philippians 2, 4 through 5. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example of Jesus, the anointed one, has set, us, has set before us. Let his mindset be your motivation. What's his mindset? To lay down his life for another. So when we say we have freedom, I'm free to dance, I'm free to sing, I'm free, right? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm so free. But do we truly understand the freedom that Christ has brought us? Because the, the truth is, under sin and darkness, I live for myself. And the end of that was death. And because now I'm free, I'm actually free to choose life. Before, I didn't have that choice. Come on. Yes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, but stand firm so that you will not be entangled Again, to put that yoke of bondage on again. So the freedom we have in Christ comes with responsibility. How will you respond to the freedom you have? Because responsibility is just, are you responding to the ability that you have? And what is the ability that you have? Freedom to choose. How well are you responding to it? Here's the thing. The freedom we have in Christ makes us truly free. But just like Adam and Eve, will we use our freedom to partake in the things of life that even release more freedom? Do you see this? As I partake in the things of life, it actually encourages more freedom. 
Or will we partake of the things that put us back into bondage? Come on. You may be thinking, well, before Christ, I was pretty free. (laughs) I had the power of choice. I did what I wanted to do. When I wanted to do it with who I wanted to do it with. Well, let's talk about that. So there's two aspects of freedom that Jesus came to bring. The first one, say with me, is freedom from. from. And freedom to. to. Jesus came came to bring both of those. Freedom from and freedom to. So he came to bring us freedom from bondage, confusion, disillusionment, destruction, and death. But he came to bring freedom to give freedom of forgiveness, right standing to power and life and liberty. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion, say dominion, of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. What are the wages of sin? Death. He brought us into a kingdom where there is redemption and forgiveness of sin. Come on. So let's look at dominion of darkness. So the connotation is that you were enslaved to the will and the rule of darkness. The image that the writer here is using is an imagery of the story of Exodus. People in bondage. They were enslaved. So when, when it says that he rescued us from the dominion of darkness, picture a people that were enslaved for 400 years. They didn't have the power of choice. They were in bondage. They were beaten. They were abused. So the dominion of darkness stripped the power of choice and true liberty Why, think about this, why is it called the dominion of darkness? Because you were blind. So there was an illusion of freedom. Are you guys tracking with me? There was an illusion of, I did whatever I want. No, you were bound. You were enslaved. You were blinded. To the things of God. And what profit does that bring? Romans 6.20. When you were slaves, say slaves, to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Think about that. So if we use our modern interpretation of freedom... We'll say, well, that can't be right because I'm not free if I'm under the control of righteousness. In the New Living Translations, it says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. In other words, you had no desire to conform to God's image and his will. 
And what freedom is in that? Not just freedom now, but freedom in eternity. So under the dominion of darkness, you were unable to experience a life that true freedom brings. Under the guise of, I'm free. <laughs> Are you guys seeing this? Why is it darkness? Because we could not see the mess that we were in. And we thought we were living large. Until what came in? Light. Come on. Romans 6, 21. Actually. All right. So actually, John 10, 10. Like I said, I cannot have a, a message without this scripture verse in it. It would not be. Well, if you, if you want to know if my sermons are counterfeit or not, if it has that scripture verse. Okay. All right. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Think about this. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. So this is what we have under the dominion of darkness. This is the end result. But Jesus says, wait, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, under the dominion of darkness, I was subject to its desire. What is its desire? Stealing, killing, and destroying under the guise of freedom. Come on. Think about it. It was a lose-lose situation. Why was it lose-lose? Because you thought, or we thought, that we were really free. But it was just an illusion. Romans 6, 21. But then what benefit, what return did you get from the things you are now ashamed? None. For the end of those things is death. What good did it do for you to be, from, to be free from the obligation to do what is right? This is the state that we were in, in the so-called freedom of this world. What is this verse saying? There is no glory in the old life, only death. There's no romancing the old life, only bondage. You were bound. You were enslaved to the will of darkness, but under the illusion of freedom. Come on. But then what happened? For he rescued us. This is where we were, under the illusion of freedom. But he rescued us and brought us into the kingdom of his son. He took us from a place of death and bondage and hopelessness and brought us into life and liberty and a hope for a future. And what does Paul say? Use your freedom to remain free. Come on. Galatians 2, 20. 
My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's the exchange. His life for mine. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Do you see this exchange? Jesus died our death that we might share in his life. Jesus was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Jesus endured our poverty that we might share in his abundance. Jesus bore our shame that we might share in his glory. Jesus endured our rejection that we might enjoy his acceptance. This is the freedom that Christ has provided for us. Will we enter our freedom? So the question I have for you guys, I'm going to end with this, is what is restricting you? What is restricting you? So what were the definitions of freedom according to our common contemporary understanding? Unrestricted, without hindrance, to do or to say as we think. So what's restricting you? If freedom means the lack of restriction, then by that definition, true freedom could not be experienced. Let me ask you this. Would you rather be bound by offense and bitterness or bound by love that extends grace when it's not convenient? My question is, what is restricting you? Is it darkness? Is it bitterness and offense? Or is it love that forgives in the most inconvenient time? <laughs> because like I said, love is very restricting. <laughs> so what do you, let me ask you this. Either you will be restricted by the things of darkness or you will be restricted by love. What is the end? Now, I, I'm not talking about eternal salvation. I'm saying what you're experiencing here and now on this earth. Those things don't produce life. But if you walk in love and forgiveness and grace and mercy, what happens? You receive life. You receive more freedom. Because guess what? When you're walking around bitter and angry, how free are you? Not very free. And I'm speaking from experience. And I'm sure most of you can relate to it as well. Would you rather be bound by self-serving, self-preservation, self-promotion, or, or would you rather find rest in the will of the Father? Would I rather try to do it on my own strength to promote myself or to save myself, or what, would I rather lay down my life to the will of my Father? What do I want restricting me? 
Because only one leads to life. Matthew 16, 25. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Come on, guys. So the question is, what do you want restricting you? Things that lead to life and liberty? Or pain and frustration? Would you rather be bound to a lie or bound to the truth? Would you rather be committed to a lie or committed to the truth? Would you rather be bound by fear or bound by love? What's restricting you? 1 Corinthians 14, 6 through, or 4 through 6. Let's get to the other things. Love is patient. We already talked about that one. Super easy, right? Love is kind. Okay, we can work with that one. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Oh, wow. That one gets a little harder, especially if they don't agree with me. It's not self-seeking. All right. It's not easily angered. Ooh, okay. It keeps no record of wrongs. I better get rid of that book. <laughs> Love does not delight in evil. I hope that they get what they deserve. Come on. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Here's the paradox of love. It is the most freeing thing in the universe. At the same time, the most restrictive thing in the universe. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm free to dance. I'm free to sing. I'm free to live for you. Come on. Don't allow a misconception of freedom to hold you back from experiencing true freedom. Just because the dictionary says it. <laughs> and just because this is what our society says doesn't make it true. So how do I cultivate the freedom that I have in Christ? How do we cultivate it? It's real simple. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. A lot of times, we shorten things. And we say, where the spirit is, there is freedom. When I feel it in the room, there's freedom. When I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, there's freedom. But what is this specifically saying? And I think some of those things are true because when God shows up, chains fall off. So I'm not saying that. But what does it say? Now the Lord is the spirit. The word Lord means 
he to whom a person or thing belongs about which he has power of deciding. So this speaks of authority and ownership. Can you go back to that verse again, bud? Thank you. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Remember when I said, would you rather be bound by bitterness and offense or be bound by love that forgives? Remember? Where the spirit of the Lord is, has the Lord ever corrected you? (laughs) Because actually scripture says, that's a good thing. (laughs) You're like, he's always corrected me. Think about this. That's a good thing. Guys, this is a light sermon. I don't know why everybody's looking at me like this. It's just reality. So Lord is a title of honor which expresses respect and reverence with which servants greet their masters. Now, some of you might say, Well, I'm a friend of God. Well, scripture also says, if you call yourself my friend, do what I say. So I think our friendship, our friendship dictionary probably says this. And what God says friendship is, is actually this. Now, I'll get into it. All right. But one of this thing where it says liberty, it actually deals with, it's called fancied liberty. And fancied means imaginary, unreal, non-existent. Which means that is what liberty, that is what, the liberty to do as one pleases, that is false liberty. It's an imaginary or non-existent freedom. Paul points out two major truths about the Holy Spirit. The first one is that the Holy Spirit is Lord. Now, I want to say this. In the life of the believer, the Holy Spirit never plays the role of a dictator. You know what the dictator was? The law. Okay? That's what the law was. So he doesn't play the role of the dictator. How do I know that? Because some of you are like, well, God controls me all the time. Well, actually, Jesus defines the Holy Spirit as a gift to his disciples. A gift. He also calls the Holy Spirit a helper, a comforter, a guide, a teacher. And comforter means uh, the purpose of persuading or arousing or stimulating or calming or consoling. Another way to put it is, have you ever been to a pep rally at school? That's what it means to comfort as well. See, a lot of times we think comfort is like, let me stroke your shoulder. But to comfort actually means, hey, hey, let's let's get this thing going. Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So what is the characteristic of the spirit that we've been given? It's not one of bondage. 
But you, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit will influence and direct the believer to the extent of which the believer will voluntary, voluntarily yield to the Holy Spirit. So Paul clarifies that the Spirit or the Lord is the Spirit. The second is that the Lordship of the Holy Spirit is acknowledged. The second is where the, where the Lordship of the Holy Spirit is acknowledged, the result is liberty and freedom. So the true meaning of this scripture is where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. His government, his rule is freedom. His direction and instruction are life and liberty. Trying to move, move it along. Romans 6, 15. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? I love how that was a question back then. Because it's a question right now. <laughs> what does it say? What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Why? Because it leads us back into bondage. Titus 2, 11 through 12. Some of you did not realize you were going to have a Titus verse in this, in this sermon. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So what does this say about grace? Grace is not the one who says no, but rather teaches us to say no. Are you guys seeing the difference? Where the law had its issues is it was a list of rules, do's and don'ts, but it had no power to change the heart. Are you guys seeing this? It had no power to change you. It just says, do not do that. If you do that, this is going to happen and it's not going to be pretty. And let's keep things beautiful, people. Okay. <laughs> and so it had no power to change the heart. But grace, grace teaches us to say no. Why why is that different? Because there's a change of heart. Grace and his spirit, the lordship of God, teaches us, instructs us, leads us to change our way of thinking and changes our heart. Come on. Grace is something the law can never do. Change our heart. No longer do I feel the restrictions that are forced upon me by the law. But now through grace, my true identity is revealed, freeing me from the cage of bondage to live a self-controlled life through the tutelage of grace. If you're not sure what tutelage means, it means teaching. To be a tutor. Notice this. Why are we free? Because we have someone in our corner, actually in our heart, 
that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and the things of this world. What does it go on to say? And to live self-controlled. How can I put this? The church likes to put things in place to control, right? But in scripture, it is the spirit, it is the freedom of the spirit that brings true freedom. And what is true freedom? Self-control. Do you see the difference? Because if it's just the church doing it, you're going to look real pretty on Sundays. And you're going to look like hell during the week. But if it's through the spirit of God, it's in our heart. Now we're forever changed. And then we all come together and it's beautiful. Man, you're shining bright today. Come on. Remember, Christ has come to give us freedom from and freedom into. Freedom from the power of sin into the liberty of his righteousness. Did you see how I worded that? Freedom from the power of sin, the power that enslaves into the, free, into the liberty of his righteousness. Romans 6, 19. I use, I use the familiar terms of a servant and master to compensate for your weakness to understand. For just as you surrendered your bodies and souls to impurity and lawlessness, which only brought more lawlessness in your lives. What is he saying? When you submitted to the dominion of darkness, it only created more bondage. That's all it did. So now surrender yourselves as servants of righteousness. What's the result of it? Which bring you deeper into true Holiness. Come on. So he's come to bring freedom from a false identity into an inheritance as sons and daughters. Galatians 4, 7. So you are no longer a slave. What were we a slave to before? According to the Bethel song, it's a slave to fear. But it was a slave to bondage and sin. Right? So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, you have been, God has made you also an heir. Means you get to reap the benefits of his kingdom. What are the benefits of his kingdom? More freedom, more liberty, more expression. Come on, not a false liberty. He's come to bring us freedom from self-infatuation and self-indulgence into humility and surrender. He's come to bring us freedom from poverty into a never-ending well of resource. He's come to bring us from hopelessness into a good future. He's come to to give us freedom from an aimless living into a spirit-led life. Before we're like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know. I don't have any hope. But he's come to lead us into a life 
that is spirit-led. And where does the spirit lead? Into life (laughs) and to liberty. He's come to bring us from isolation because we are adopted into a family and a body of believers. He's come to bring us from, uh, bring freedom from bitterness and unforgiveness and an angry life. He's come to bring freedom from fear. Come on. Galatians 5.1. Can we all read it together? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Come on, guys. Thank you, Father. So my challenge or the question that I have is what do you want restricting you? Something that produces pain and regret and dishonor or something that brings life and liberty and hope and joy and peace. The list can keep on going, guys. So I commend you guys. I encourage you guys to live as free people. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand for then. Because of that reality, we stand firm in the freedom that we have. Not to do as we please and to live life without restriction, but as submitted children to a king that leads us in good things, into life, into liberty. Amen. I hope this has encouraged you guys. So, Lord, we just come before you. We just thank you for your goodness. Lord, we just pray that as we heard the words that I spoke today, Lord, I pray that your spirit just begins to move on the hearts of the people today. Lord, I don't want this sermon to be condemning whatsoever, but I want it to be an opportunity to align and to adjust so that, the, so that we can truly walk in the freedom that you have supplied for us, not to do as we please, but to live as submitted children to a father who loves us and cares for us and wants to lead us into true freedom, into true life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we have the healing teams come up, please?